are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to The Depression Session on 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Halsey Taylor. She is an arts liaison who works with dancers, musicians, and writers, and an advocate for people with brain disorders. We'll be right back with Halsey, but first, let's talk about insults. So I don't know who else is struggling with this since uh, our illustrious election, but I'm finding it hard that there's so many conversations that happen in every part of my world that have to do not just with political beliefs, and but a lot of other things. And I've been thinking lately about how am I in those conversations? Do I, if somebody has a belief that's not the same as mine, do I want to say anything? Do I want to just let them have their say? Do I want to comment on it? Do I really want to share my opinions and who do I want to share them with? And I've been running into funny situations where someone will say something and then a couple of days later come up to me and say, I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't offend you by saying that. And my response lately has been generally to listen to whoever has any thought in any direction and be open to what that is and where it comes from for them. Because I think it's very easy. I have strong beliefs. I get upset. I get angry. (laughs) There are things that I find outrageous. But do I need to share those with everyone? Is Or is it okay to just hear people and what they have to say? And maybe not always agree. And know that they are lovely people and have good reasons for their beliefs. On all different sides of topics. You know, all different topics. Not just our political world, but I feel like it's very easy. They're, they're in where media is run these days is a lot of insulting conversation opinions. And I don't want to do that in my regular life, but I don't know if it's best to just be quiet and not share. And I struggle in general with being self-absorbed, <laughs> being in my own head and oversharing my thoughts with whoever will listen. I mean, here I am on this show every week. And I, I just think I try to find some balance between sharing and not sharing. And sometimes my most wonderful experiences are, are opening myself up to really listening to what somebody else has to say. And this show has been great for me in that way, because every week I open myself up to what somebody has to share about their experience. I feel more interested, educated, engaged when I really do listen. So this week, I'm working on how to deal with, with not insults may be the wrong word, but I just feel like it's easy to throw out insults, both anonymously in person and harder to be open to what people really have to say and share. And I hope whatever your belief systems, whatever you're dealing with this week, that you find somebody and some something that can hear you and what you believe and also take a moment to listen. 
Support for Downtown Radio comes from Elliott's on Congress. Open 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, Elliott's strives to put a unique spin on comfort food, featuring unique dishes such as the Duck Club Sandwich, Bacon Rangoons, Penne Alla Vodka, and Chocolate-Covered Bacon. Additionally, Elliott's features 25 flavors of house-infused vodka, including jalapeno, strawberry, roasted garlic, cucumber, and vanilla. French mimosa specials are also available at Elliott's on weekend mornings. There's a jazz jam every Monday night, Additionally, Elliott's has the NFL Sunday ticket with access to every Sunday football game. Elliott's is located at 135 East Congress Street. For more information, you can check out their Facebook page or call 622-5500. The Prime Leaf is a proud sponsor of Downtown Radio. Centrally located at Speedway and Alvernon, the Prime Leaf is a compassionate, patient-centered choice for your medical marijuana needs. Locally owned with a wide array of edibles, concentrated in flour. The Prime Leaf is a finalist for Tucson Weekly's Best Dispensary and would welcome the opportunity to serve you. For more information, you may contact the Prime Leaf at 207-2753. Check out their website at theprimeleaf.com or visit them at 4120 East Speedway. Today we have with us in the studio Halsey Taylor. She is an arts liaison who works with dancers, musicians, and writers, and an advocate for people with brain disorders. Hello, Halsey. Welcome to the Depression Session. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so gratified to be here. It's a a subject that has been part of my life, nearly all of my life, and um, continues to have its impact. And what's new with you? What's going on in your world? Well, I have to say, and I hope you don't find this patronizing, (laughs) but I am so delighted that you are doing this show. I just became aware of it very recently, and I've been spreading the word to listen in on Sundays. This very, very important topic of brain disorders, and I choose to call them that rather than mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. I think there's a connotation with that terminology that really is quite negative and non-productive. So I've been encouraging everyone I work with the behavioral health community to start using either brain health, brain disorders, or mental health rather than illness. I think that that would help in terms of stigma. I also want to comment a bit on your uh, opening and knowing that so many of us, especially after we've developed our own communication habits, seem to have a a very supported and supportive outlook on mental health. And I encounter the, um, you used the word, no, your word was insult. I'll expand on that and use the word offense. I've had the experience of many of my strong opinions being accountable to my disorders, because I'm very open now in the past, uh, I think since I've been diagnosed at the age of 30, which is a long, long, long time, I'm very open about sharing this with people who seem to be interested or are struggling themselves. I just wanted to mention that to you. Thank you. Yes, finding that, uh, and I don't know if the word is annoying, but <laughs> but to have everything attributed 
to anything that someone doesn't share or agree with or mm. have the passion about being a, a performer by by education, it seems to me that people have decided, no, it's not the performer in her, it's the uh, depression disorder, it's the anxiety, mm. it's the OCD that's making her say that. And it allows people to dismiss you. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, the, and not sometimes not in a intentionally destructive way. I think that many times uh, people want to give me the benefit of the doubt Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will agree. Sometimes I do need the benefit of the doubt, especially when I'm in relapse. But when I am functioning and my brain is operating at its at its best, then I want to be received as a functioning human being. Right. Not a flawed human being, which we all are, but not emphasizing that flaw at all times. Yes. And we were talking before the show about self-judgment. And one of the things I do, and I find I do it all over the place, is explain my behavior by saying, that's my OCD. Ah, guilty. <laughs> guilty. And it's dim- dis- diminishing myself. Yes. And, and it also is trying to excuse behaviors because I really want things organized and orderly. And, you know, and it, and it bothers me if they're not to a degree that I know it doesn't bother other people. Mm. But rather than just saying, I'm okay with this, I am I like things like this, and that's okay, I dismiss it and down-talk it a little bit. Yes. And dismiss myself in the process. And I think that comes from the heavy criticism that we received in uh, different parts of our lives, whether it was our um, youth, whether it was our childhood, mm. that there are certain norms that are expected of people and when you are outside that norm, it can make life very difficult. My issue, uh, one of my issues, that is, happens to be timeliness. And I struggle with that uh, since the age of five, not being able to assess the amount of time. The reaction to that, in especially in Western society, has cost me both professionally and personally. Yes. Well, that is a perfect note to ask you. Halsey, tell us the story of your depression. Ah, uh, yes. It started at adolescence, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was, as I said, 30 years old. And it was um, at a very, very low point. I had an exciting career at that time. I was performing and also designing. And I had a wonderful man as part of my as a partner in my life i loved living in boston so all these pluses were active and in place and yet regardless of that i was feeling so despondent that the ideation of suicide was very active it was troubling because i had pinned circumstance on my early life depressions. I had pinned it on a dysfunctional family. I had pinned it on my school life being interrupted on a yearly basis when I went into depression in October, September, October, and it didn't lift until March or April. And so I had I had pinned that feeling of despair on circumstance. 
and also was hiding it as best I could. <laughs> With a family of five, you can hide it pretty well. Because <laughs> um, there's a, a lot of attention needed by both parents. So after I was diagnosed with this thing called major depressive disorder, it was both a relief and a challenge because uh, this was 30 years ago and the pharmaceutical industry, what, if, you, if you compare it to now, which isn't as good as it might be, but if you compare it to now, it was so hit or miss then. And so I was tried out on multiple pharmaceuticals, and I called it pharmaceutical roulette. And that term stuck with me because of the difficulties. Um, sometimes the side effects were worse than the symptoms. And the doctors at that time, the physicians at that time, I was, I was at the top of the the field because I happened to be in Boston mm -hmm. by the grace of God. And so the people I was working with were doing cutting edge research on this topic and on, on all the brain disorders. And so I was introduced to things that many people weren't like uh, light therapy. Cognitive behavioral was an ongoing thing for me. When they realized that talk therapy wasn't um, difficult for me and that I, I was very open to talk to it, to talk about it with other people and with the experts. After several years of doing that, they said, you know, we think there's something biochemical going on. <laughs> so I was like, duh! <laughs> All right. Which launched me into a whole different accent in my life. And I began um, studying on my own and looking at neurobiology as an avocation for myself. My second diagnosis happened when I was 40 years old. And that was a, a challenge in not understanding why when I wasn't depressed, there were other things going on. Turned out that obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an anxiety disorder, was coupled with my major depressive disorder. Without going into the technicalities of it, there is a difference between a bipolar disorder where the highs and lows are, are pretty extreme and me being in a state of anxiety but not depression as opposed to being in a state of depression and anxiety. It's very subtle. It can be very subtle. So fast forward, I began looking at the research that was going on in the private sector as well as the medical end of it. And my discoveries were such that <laughs> It was depressing to learn how little they could do from a, from a pharmaceutical standpoint. And so I continued on a, on a journey of depression that was no longer yearly, but now it was unpredictable, where it had been 
started when I was an adolescent with all the hormonal changes. They say they're, those are very significant. I started then into a period of I would go for more than a year, and then I would relapse. But the relapse would be significantly uh, more severe than they were in my earlier years. Thank you. Thank you so much for your story. And I identify a lot with the OCD part and the anxiety and depression. I feel like they're all cousins or something, that they're all really related. I do agree with that, especially when it comes to, um, I've heard the term single occurrence disorders. I will plainly say that I am not a physician, that I am not a psychopharmacologist, that I am not a professional in this field. However, I certainly consider myself well studied in this field, and I have never in all my advocacy met a person that wasn't co-occurring, which, which has been a, a um, difficulty when I've asked to be considered as a candidate for many of the human trials that are going on, the clinical trials. And they'll say, well, if you only had MDD. And I said, when you meet a person, would you introduce me to the person you meet who doesn't have something else going on? Because, you know, the brain doesn't work that way where it isolates a disorder. So I'm very interested to know why NIH and all of the parameters that are being uh, given don't take this into consideration. I have been um, very, very fortunate to go into some brain mapping studies. I've also donated my, my family and myself. There, is a, there are a couple of uh, brain banks in this country hmm. that are looking for both healthy and challenged people at their death to make that a magnanimous donation in the field of brain research. My father, my late father, his brain is at the Harvard Brain Bank. Um, mine will go there. At the present time, I'm looking for them to have four generations of the same family because there is such a strong genetic factor, heredity, involved in this. Co-occurring, comorbidity, <laughs> comorbidity. <laughs> As I said, I would be very interested to um, meet and, and, and understand that better. It could just be a, a level of ignorance, but I have not come across that yet, Laura. Yeah, and, and I, I do a monthly meetup group called the Depression Session Meetup Group Tucson for people to come and share their story who don't want to go on the radio. There's plenty of sure. those. But I found that it's just really helpful to tell your stories. It's really helpful to share and to hear other people's stories. And almost at the beginning, we usually do introductions and people will mention whether they're, you know, or what things they have going on for them. <laughs> you know, what are their diagnoses? And it's always multiple. Yes. It's I mean, it, or people who are just tr trying to figure out what's going on with them, you know, and, and don't have a clear diagnosis. Or for me, I feel like sometimes it's a, a, I remember somebody talking about this with addiction, 
which mm-hmm. is not something I struggle with, but she said it's like a bathtub full of balls. I push one down and another one pops up. And I feel that way with the balance for me between anxiety and depression. If I if my depression kind of alleviates, anxiety seems to rise. And when the anxiety alleviates, it seems like the depression rises. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're on some sort of balance scale. And when I get it balanced, I feel really good for long periods of time. And then when something gets out of balance, I can't seem to write the scales without it kind of juggling back and forth. And it's, I don't have bipolar, but Mm -hmm. that's, Mm -hmm. it is some sort of balance scale of just basic anxiety, panic, and then depression. Yes, yes. The other um, aspect of that are the side effects of medication, which uh, for me were horrific at times. Mm-hmm. In again, in the earlier days, this was in the nineteen late nineteen eighties. They would, when I say they, the physician, the provider of your medication, would see if you if your body could get through the allergic reaction. And that could be anything from hives to body tremors, not just extremity tremors, to nausea, to uh, sleeplessness, not being able to get your body back into a sleep rhythm. Um, As we all know, being without sleep is one of the worst tortures you can Mm. do to a human being. Mm. It just dissolves all the functionality. What I wanted to mostly say about pharmaceuticals is I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be alive had I not gone through what I did go through. I'm hoping that that the that the the person who does not have to take psychotropic or antidepressant drugs understands that these are not a panacea. That for someone to quote stay on their medications does not mean that they have a normal biological or physical existence. And I I think that that is one of the pieces of information that is, is for the most part, missing. And misunderstood. And the the dialogue that's going on, yes. Mm -hmm. That uh, uh, I still have uh, extremity tremors from the medication I am on. And, And this medication... I can, I'm one of the lucky ones, Laura. I'm one of the ones who was able to stay on the medication and who fought the side effects. Not everyone can do that. And I'm not making mm-hmm. myself better than anyone. I'm just saying that Your we all biology. Have, yes, that we all have certain capacities for, for particular things and, and, and tolerance levels. One of my... <laughs> I always laugh and say... I have a high tolerance for psychological pain. That is, not, <laughs> that is not like an advantage to have. It just happens to be my personality, right? Yep. But that, with all the um, difficulties and atrocities that are happening in, in the world and watching mental health be targeted as the prime reason for gun violence mm-hmm. upsets me very much. I, I think it is an easy scapegoat. Yep. 
And falls under the category maybe of insults. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, one other thing I wanted to bring up was just the idea, you know, medication in general is this interesting thing because to this day, I do feel that it is really still hit or miss. It's very individual, the decision to do it or not do it, whether it works for you and how it works for you, what the side effects are, of the medication, they can give you this long list oh, of yes. side effects. And yours might be this one and someone else is this one and somebody else has a combo pack sh- package and some people can't stand it at all. It just doesn't work for them and the, the side effects are not, they'd rather have the depression. Yeah, so They could manage that a little bit easier. Yeah, yes. and, and, and it feels sometimes to me like we're still in the Middle Ages with this stuff. We're still kind of checking this and checking that. We don't really know and we hope that we find something. But on the same note, thank God, there's medication. I have a number of people in my world who would not be here. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't have made it. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, so it's a funny, it's a funny thing. I, I'm sure in the future they'll look back on this time period and go, wow, I can't believe they survived that. <laughs> yes, and I agree with you totally. And I'm not um, ignorant of the fact that as, as recent as 50 years ago, I probably would have been institutionalized with the level of depression that I had because mine went to non-functionality. I, I had to stop going um, to school. I uh, dropped out of uh, my college education because of that. I had, it was, it was always a balancing act of, um, okay, so I can do really well in school for these three or four months the other four months are not. I'm not going to have access to my mind, yeah. the fogged thinking, the blunted ability to express all of those things that go with depression. It's not, not just affecting your social life. I couldn't think. I couldn't think correctly. And when when you're out of that, it's it's a race to make up for lost time. The, and up until I was uh, probably 25 years old, it was constantly every year making up for lost time. And you're not you're not alone in that. I see it now with my students. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just drop off the map, and when I I check in with them, and eventually they get back to me and say they were going through some struggles. And it's it's I completely understand it, and it's one of those things where. You can't you can't fix it for anybody else, but you can just be sort of understanding. Yes, and um, as I as I said, I feel very grateful for some of the coping mechanisms that made it possible for me to be here today talking with you. And I'm not blaming the lack of information, the lack of research. I'm very happy to see that we are doing more, but I I'm well aware that in my case, I'm just waiting for another shoe to drop because I will only go, my last relapse was in 2014. And historically speaking, there will be another relapse. And that's being on medication and then needing a change of medication. And have you found over the years that you're better able to deal with those relapses or no, or it's just the same thing? 
No. As a matter of fact, as I age, Laura, it's getting more difficult. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I'm, I'm doing what I can, which is what we all do in any circumstance. I just would hope to see more understanding. More understanding in general. I mean, you, you spoke of that. It doesn't matter what the topic is, whether it's brain disorders, whether it's um, immigration, whether it's racial difficulties, whatever that is, I'd just like to see more understanding. Wow, what a perfect way to end the show. Thank you so much for being on the depression session. It was my pleasure. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you. You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM.